Now today I have the great privilege of sharing on a topic that all of us can relate to. It's the topic of quitting. In life, we have the choice to either continue something or to quit. Now sometimes in life, quitting is the thing that we need to do. If you're in a toxic and unhealthy relationship, it's good to quit. If you're in an organization and that organization takes you away from church and your family and it doesn't add value, it's good to quit. If you are dealing with social media and it's causing you to be envious and disappointed and depressed, it's good to quit. But sometimes in life, quitting is the wrong step to take. In 1976, Ronald Wayne founded a company with two of his coworkers. They had met at Atari, the video game company, and one of them had a dream of building a company that would hopefully make an impact and change the world. Ronald reluctantly signed up to join the company, but he was there to help manage the two crazy ones, the two dreamers who had, didn't have structure. They had big dreams, but not enough structure to make it happen. He was the organized one, and he wrote the business plan. He wrote the partner agreement. He created the first logo. He created the first manual for their first product. But after only 12 days of the company being founded, he called it quit. He threw in the towel. He dusted his hands and said, I'm done with you. You guys are so unstructured. I don't want to deal with the arguments. I don't want to deal with the hassle of creating a startup company, so I'm leaving. He sold his 10% stake in the company to his coworkers for $800. He let it go. Little did he know, but what we now realize is that that company would go on to change the world. For you see, his two coworkers were Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, and they had founded Apple. His 10% stake in the company, had he kept it, would be worth $91 billion. Today, I want to speak on the topic, too soon to quit. Sometimes in life, it's just too soon to quit. If you're in a struggling marriage, but there's a sliver of hope, it's too soon to quit. If you're dealing with students who are stressing you out, it's too soon to quit. If you're in a dead-end job, but you don't have another job, it's too soon to quit. With that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in 1 Kings 19. We're going to look at the story of a prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, he's one of my favorite characters because he's a real guy. I mean, he's got great highs and real low lows. But let me give you a little bit of context before we get into the text today. Elijah was the prophet of God, and he was serving under the administration of a king and a queen who were evil. They were doing evil in God's sight, King Ahab and Jezebel, Queen Jezebel. And King Ahab and Queen Jezebel had allowed the nation of Israel to worship a pagan god called Baal. And that incensed God because the king and queen were leading the people of Israel astray. And so God's anger burned hot against the king and queen and even against the people because they were serving Baal. So God goes to Elijah and tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call the nation of Israel together. I want you to call the king to come. I want you to call the prophets of Baal, and I want you to issue a challenge. And this is the challenge. 
Tell them that they need to build an altar to their God and put a sacrifice on it, and that you build an altar unto me and put a sacrifice on it. And whichever God would rain down fire to consume the sacrifice is the one true God. So Elijah, being the gentleman that he was, he let the prophets of Baal go first. And they spent the morning and a little bit of the afternoon asking Baal to pour down fire. And obviously Baal was asleep. He did not provide any fire. But then Elijah stood up and he looked to the heavens and he said, I know you, God, are the one true God. Rain down fire and prove yourself to your people. And God rained down fire and it consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It consumed the altar. It consumed the water that was poured on the altar. It consumed everything. And God in that moment proved his power. And under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God commanded Elijah to go and kill the prophets of Baal. So he goes and kills 450 prophets. But here's what happened. After this mountaintop experience, Elijah has a faith wobble. Because Queen Jezebel heard about what Elijah had done, and this is what she said. May the gods, my gods, deal ever so severely with me if you don't become like one of the prophets that has just died by tomorrow. So she called him out and says, I'm wishing you dead. This is where we pick up the story of Elijah having a real life moment. 1 Kings 19, verse 3 and following. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he took a nap. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Sometimes in life, it's too soon to quit. Today, I want to share with you three steps that you can put into your life to keep going when you want to quit. The first one is to catch your breath. Verse 3 says that he was afraid. He ran for his life. He was out of breath. He sat under a boom brush, and he prayed that he might die. Then he laid down to fall asleep. Sometimes when we face challenges in life, we want to give up. We want to stop going. When you're ready to quit, don't stop. Just pause and catch your breath. Pause, but don't quit. It's okay to pause and catch your breath, but don't stop moving. Keep going. Keep advancing to what God has for you and for your family. What do you do when life knocks the wind out of you? To help illustrate this, I was thinking about something that happened recently when I was traveling. Now, before I get into this, let me pause and say that whenever I fly, I break the rules. I break the rules. I don't listen to the safety briefing. More often than not, I'm sending a text message or I'm looking on social media or I'm sending an email or maybe I'm looking at the Sky Mall magazine to buy something that I don't need. 
But recently, I was traveling, and I listened, and I listened very intently because the flight attendant asked me to participate in the safety briefing. And this is what happened. What you see is me holding an oxygen mask. Now, if you listen to the safety briefing as I occasionally do, this is what you'll hear the flight attendant say. In the unlikely event of a sudden loss in cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will descend. Grab the oxygen mask, put it over your nose and mouth, tighten the straps, and begin to breathe freely, even though the little bag may not inflate. Put the mask over the nose and mouth of anyone that you're traveling, tighten the straps, and they will breathe freely as well. Often what happens in life, when life happens and the wind is sucked out of the room, we stop taking care of ourselves. We burn the candle at both ends. We're completely depleted. This is what happens to Elijah. He does all of this. He calls down fire from heaven. He kills the prophets of Baal, and then he's completely depleted. And some of us, in order to catch our breath, we need to practice self-care. The verses tell us that the angel of God woke him up and said, you need to eat. Then look at verse six. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Sometimes the journey is too much for you and I. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Here's my question. What was he eating? That must, be, bun, that must have been some great angel food cake. I don't know what he was eating, but that must have been something very delicious to keep him going 40 days and 40 nights. When you're worn out, you need to take care of yourself. There are people relying on you to take care of yourself, to keep going. And often what happens is we get so far depleted that we don't take care of ourselves. I love what this verse tells us. It gives us a prescription to keep going when we want to quit. We need to eat, we need to sleep, and we need to exercise. We need to eat right, sleep well, and exercise often, and then repeat it. In fact, this is what the angel of God tells him to do. He wakes him up a second time and tells him, you need to eat and drink and then get on the journey. And so what does he do? He goes for 40 days. You know, it's pretty easy to do the right thing one time. It's easy to wake up early one time. It's easy to read God's word one time. It's easy to pray one time. It's easy to show up to work early one time, but to do it consistently the second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and build a life of consistent habits takes work. God invites us to create habits that make a, a difference. Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. If you want to be successful, if you want to be fruitful in life, take the habits that are going to move you forward and do it consistently day after day after day. In fact, researchers in the area of forming habits say that you need to practice a new habit between 21 and 60 days. I love how the angel of God encourages him to get up and do it a second time. And then Elijah goes and he walks it out for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of us, we need to identify one self-care habit and put it into practice in our life because it's gonna make a difference so that we can have the future that God has for us. We must practice self-care. James Clear, the, the author of Atomic Habits says this, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your habits. You can have great goals, but if your habits don't match 
you're not gonna make it to your goal. So create habits today that are gonna make a difference. I wanna invite you, I wanna challenge you today to to identify one self-care habit that you can put into practice over the next 40 days to make a difference in your life. Write it down right now as as you're taking notes or maybe send a message to a friend to help you stay accountable to whatever that is. Taking care of yourself is important. But the reason it's important is because taking care of yourself is what God expects of us, but also taking care of yourself allows you to give oxygen and life to the people who are journeying with you. We need to put the oxygen mask of God's presence over our nose and mouth and let him breathe into us and do the same for the people that are traveling with us. Your habits will make or break you. Let them make you into all that God wants for you to become. The second way to catch your breath is to reach out. Verse three tells us that he, Elijah, left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Be very cautious when stress drives you to isolation and away from the people that love and care for you. Isolation drives us to dry and dark places. It'll drive us into the wilderness and it'll drive us into the caves of life. We must fight against isolation because deserts and caves are where our soul goes to die. We need to reach out to people who can help us. Another study was recently done and the researchers found that we live in the most lonely time in the history of mankind. They said that people who are under the age of 24, Generation Z, are near, nearly 50% of them feel lonely and over 40% of millennials, anyone under the age of 37, feels lonely as well. We live in the most digitally connected and most relationally con- disconnected time. There are people who have thousands of friends on social media but don't have one person to call when life shows up. And God says that's not how it should be. In fact, the first problem in humanity, and I've said this before, is the fact that humanity was all alone. God said it's not good for humanity to be alone. I'll create helpers suitable for them. God intends for us to reach out. So what do you do when you feel all alone? I was speaking to our millennials and to our Generation Z, and maybe some of you are feeling all alone. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to halt bad. It's an acronym I learned in grad school. This is what it stands for. You may be driven to isolation when you're hurt, angry, lonely, tired, bored, anxious, or disappointed. Hurt, angry, lonely, tired, bored, anxious, and disappointed. If you are in that mood, you may be vulnerable to isolation. And some of us, we need to halt bad in our life and reach out to somebody and ask them to help. We need a battle buddy in the war that we're facing against culture and against the enemy. We need someone who's there to walk with us, who's got our six and is covering us and helping us out. Here's an admonition for you, though, is that reaching out feels like weakness, but it looks like courage. Sometimes when we're on the verge of reaching out, it feels like an acknowledgement of weakness. But God knew that we were going to feel all alone and that we need to reach out. It's going to feel like weakness for you to reach out to someone else. But from the perspective of the person that you're reaching out to, it looks like courage. They look at you and they say, wow, this person knows that they need help, but they're reaching out. Often when people reach out to me, what I say is, 
I'm so proud of you. You're so courageous. Keep moving forward. God's got your back. He's moving you forward. Reaching out feels like weakness, but it looks like courage. But I also know that some of you are at the point in your life where you're like Elijah. You're saying, I've had enough, Lord. I can't go on. As some of you know, I spent a decade as a counselor, and one of the things that I discovered in my work with people is that there were people who would come in to me, and they would talk to me, and they'd say, I'm I'm ready to give up. And what I would tell them is keep going, don't quit. Who's in your social network that you can reach out to? Reach out to them. Reach out to them today. Can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you right now to drop an emoji or to send a message? You have my permission. Send it to someone who can be in the battle with you. And if you're at a place where you're facing a broken marriage, or maybe you've experienced more grief and loss than you thought you could take, maybe you're dealing with a situation at work where you're being slandered, don't give up, don't quit, keep going, reach out. There's somebody there to help you. Not only God will help you, but there's somebody sitting right beside you who can help you out. Catch your breath. The second step to take when you're ready to quit is to listen to God's whisper. God is always whispering even when we're not listening. Verse nine says this, he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, and I'm gonna paraphrase. He said, in effect, I'm the only prophet of God and they're wanting to kill me. Verse 11 says this, and I love how God ignores Elijah's complaint. I love how God ignores our complaints sometimes to tell us what we need to do. And this is what he tells Elijah to do. He says, go out and stand on the mountain, which was the mountain of God in the presence of God, for the Lord is about to pass by. But what did Elijah do? He stayed in the cave. So God permitted an earthquake to happen, but God wasn't in the earthquake. He permitted a windstorm to happen, but God wasn't in the windstorm. He permitted a fire to happen, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face in shame and in fear and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? When life is difficult, we need to listen for the whisper of God. God is whispering to us. He's inviting us to listen to him. His preference is for us to step out of the cave of life and to stand in his presence. As some of you did this morning, you stood here and you worshiped God and you lifted him up. But there were some of you who were here today who, as it were, you were still in the cave. And you're wondering, does God know I'm struggling? I'm all alone. I'm disconnected. Here's the good news. If you're in a cave moment or in a wilderness moment of your life, God always whispers in our weakness. And I began to think, what does it take for us to hear the whisper of God? And what I realized is this, is that when God whispers, that means he's really close to us. I've discovered that when I can't seem to get to God, God is willing to get to me. He's willing to go into the caves. He's willing to step into the wilderness to whisper me, to whisper to me and to encourage me to keep going and not to quit. And if you're in a cave moment of your life and you put the cloak over your head, 
I want to suggest to you that this is what God is whispering to you. He's saying, don't give up. Don't quit. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. It's too soon to quit. It's too soon to quit. Say it with me. It's too soon to quit. God doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to keep going. Come out of the cave and stand in God's presence. Don't let the cave confine you. Let God's presence redefine you. God wants to do that for us. But notice, God doesn't stop there. He asks Elijah a question, and he asks him twice. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I've discovered that when God asks a question, it's not because he needs information. It's because he wants us to realize what the answer is. And he wanted Elijah to realize you're in a cave right now, and this isn't where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be somewhere else. This isn't the destiny I have for you. We're not, we're not made for wilderness or cave dwelling. We're made to stand in God's presence, which leads me to the third step to take when you're ready to quit, which is to finish God's assignment. Verse 14 says this, he, Elijah, replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Be very cautious when you believe the lie of the enemy that tells you that you're the only one because you're never the only one. There's always someone who is hidden from you who believes in Jesus and they're standing in the fringe to see if you're willing to keep going and you're willing to fight through the challenge and you're willing to finish the assignment. The Lord said to him, listen to this, and he's speaking this to you today. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Snaphat, not Snapchat, son of Snaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. He may have been the only, key, the only prophet of God, but God was gonna send him another prophet to help him out. And some of you, you need to hear that today. You need to know that you may feel like you're all alone, but God has someone on the way for you. Verse 18 tells us this, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Finish God's assignment. Know that if you're gonna be zealous for God, you're gonna have a target on your back. The enemy is gonna try to take you out. He's gonna try to kill you, kill your dream, kill the future of your kids, kill the future for the people around you. God wants us to believe the truth that we're not the only one and that he has an assignment for us. I often wonder if Satan eavesdrops on heaven. Have you ever wondered that? The Bible tells us in the book of Job that Satan had a little bit of access to the throne room of God and I just wonder if Satan in his little slithery ways sits by the door of heaven and eavesdrops on the conversation between God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in the presence of the angels. I wonder if Satan knows more about your divine assignment than you do. Because if you fully knew that God had an assignment for you, you'd be willing to push through the difficulty and say, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep chasing after God. Don't let Satan know more about your divine assignment than you do. Discover it, step into it, fully fulfill it. Elijah still had a mission to accomplish. He needed to anoint two kings, 
a successor, Elisha, and to encourage 7,000 who had not bowed down to Baal. When you're in the workplace and you think you're the only one, there's someone who is secretly hoping that you will have spiritual steel in your spine to stand up for Jesus and to say, I'm gonna live out, a per- I'm gonna be a person of ca- character and integrity. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna say the truth about what needs to happen. I'm gonna fully follow God. Do you know that you're an Elijah to an Elisha yet to come? You're an Elisha to Elisha yet to come. There are people who are relying on you to hold on to Jesus and a faith in Jesus Christ. They're relying on you. That's why I'm encouraging parents to enroll your students, get them registered for kids camp and the student conference. They can't pay their way, but you can. You are an Elijah to an Elisha yet to come. I want your kids and students to discover who God is and to see the fire of God come down and transform their life and that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that they're called into ministry and that they step into the future that God has for them. But we as parents and as adults, we we must be willing to finish the assignment that God has put before us. But you know, it takes courage. It takes uncommon courage to step into what God has for us. And to illustrate this, I want you to listen to the story of a young lady who has had difficulty and struggle, but she's fought through because she believes that she has an assignment. I want you to hear her story. Take a look. Before all of this started, I was just a normal college student. Um, Slowly I started getting symptoms, headaches, numbness and tingling in my legs. My brain's a little too big for my skull, so it compresses the spinal cord. Medical school just for an average person is the most difficult thing you're gonna do probably in your life. To do this with neurologic complications, especially a stroke, I can't imagine. But for me, I didn't see it as a barrier at all. I just kept persevering. I had brain surgery in colleges. I continued having brain surgery during medical school. I had a stroke that initially left me um, unable to function from the neck down. I had to learn how to sit up. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to brush my teeth again. Just things that we don't think about. Now that I finished my third year, I've been able to connect with patients on a whole different level. I know what it's like to have a feeding tube. I know what it's like to have a port. Some things that maybe doctors miss, I get because I was a patient. Some of us, we need to be like Claudia. We need to keep going. This young lady has faced six brain surgeries. She's lost at times her ability to walk, but she's willing to keep going. And if you notice in the video, she wants to use her life to help those who have been in her situation, who have lost mobility. She wants to go into rehab medicine. She's convinced that her life has purpose and she's converted her difficulty into an assignment. I wanna invite you to use the difficulty that you faced to be a testimony of God's faithfulness. And I wanna issue a challenge to you today, the same challenge that God put before Elijah. He told him, you're in a cave moment, but I'm inviting you to stand in my presence because I'm about to pass on by. So I want you to stand with me as we close today because I believe that God's presence wants to pass on by.
And I know some of you who are here today, you're facing difficulty and challenge and you're like Elijah, you're saying, I can't go on God. And he's saying the solution is to step into my presence. And if you're struggling today, I wanna encourage you. So I wanna give you a moment with God. I'm gonna invite everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes, everyone. Some of you who are here today, you're facing a broken marriage. You're dealing with grief and loss. You're dealing with separation and divorce. You're dealing with a court situation that doesn't seem surmountable. And you need Jesus to show up in a mighty way. If you're struggling today and you feel the urge to quit, I want to encourage you. And if you're there on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. One, two, three. If you're struggling, raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. I see hands all across the audience. God wants to encourage you today. He wants to provide for you what he needs you to step into. Let's go to God. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking for your Holy Spirit to pass on by. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your people God, that they would sense your presence, that they would step into your purpose and that they won't give up, that they will keep going. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them today. Let them know that you have your Holy Spirit there to advance them and to move them forward. Give them boldness as a lion, eyesight as an eagle, a willingness to keep going and not to quit. I pray, Lord, that they know what their divine assignment is. I pray that you would encourage them, give them your peace, your love, your reassurance, your strength, pour spiritual steel in their spine and let them know that they can keep going forward. There's people all around them that need encouragement and that need to know that you are faithful and that you are good. I pray, Lord, that your presence would encourage your people today. They need your encouragement. I pray that you would silence the work of the enemy that seeks to lie to them, that they are finished, that the situation is done, that the book is closed on it. God, as long as we have breath, there's hope. As long as your presence can move, there still is hope. And we trust in you and we rely on you because you're our best hope. You're our only hope. You're our first hope. You're our last hope. And we trust in you. And God, we give you praise today because you deserve it. Even when we can't seem to see what the future holds, we believe that you can move and you can transform. Move in a powerful way. Remind your people that it is too soon to quit, that you're with them and that you want to encourage them. We thank you, God, for your presence today and the way you've moved. Encourage your people today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's give him a praise clap today. He is so, so good. It's been wonderful to have you in service today. If you need additional prayer and encouragement, our prayer team is available here to the right and to the left. God bless you, and you are dismissed.